Welcome to the Side by Side podcast, where we connect busy female leaders in ministry to the practical resources they need today. We are your co-hosts, and I am Annie Purdue Olson. And I'm Heidi Zwart. And this week's conversation was really special to me personally, because I got to talk to my very favorite female leader in ministry in the whole wide world, because it was my sister. (laughs) And her name is Krista Foss. And we got to dive into how she has built this incredibly strong volunteer culture at a growing church in the Twin Cities. And she's done this really by having these conversations that matter, which is part of our focus of season two. She just absolutely loves to develop people. So developer, it's actually one of her top five strengths and her spiritual gift of hospitality just oozes from her. And I think you're going to hear this in the conversation that we have today with her. Um, You know, Annie, if you've been around any church or nonprofit for as long as I have, and I know you have, you know how reliant we are on volunteers. Yep. They are run on volunteers, aren't Mm -hmm. they? (laughs) And you know what? We need to be volunteering ourselves too. It's such a powerful spiritual growth strategy for us if we're serving others, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There are two conversations that Krista talked about in this interview that really stood out to me. Um, One was what you called the ICU conversation. Mm -hmm. I loved that language that you put to it because it's about hearing people's stories Mm -hmm. and knowing who they are and how they're gifted. That is so critical. That's discipleship. It's a discipleship kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. The second one that really stood out with to me was the ask. You know, (laughs) that's the hardest part of this whole volunteering thing, right? Yep. Uh, inviting people to step into using their gifts and actually being a part of the mission is a really important conversation to have. So I just think these were two really crucial conversations that you and Krista talked about that makes this interview so powerful. Yeah, I took away those two things as well. And I really talked to her about how she so successfully onboards volunteers, which are really, as we said, the lifeblood of an organization, and how to then continue to nurture them. Because without good communication and without having these conversations that matter once they're onboarded, they're going to be out the door really quickly. So it's important to continue to nurture them through these good conversations. And, And then unfortunately, sometimes we have to have these really hard conversations where we have to fire a volunteer and that's really difficult, but she does it with such grace. And I hope you're going to take away some things from what she shares about her experience as well. Oh, I'm so excited for every one of you who's listening to this episode today because Krista shares her perspective on conversations that matter to build a stronger volunteer culture so that churches can thrive and so that we as people can use our gifts and talents for the kingdom. Krista, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, Heidi, this is so fun. What a joy. So cool. It's kind of one of those pinch me moments, I would say. (laughs) Well, it's been about 48 years in the making because for those of uh, of you who don't know, Krista is actually my sister. So we Mm -hmm. have known each other for a very, very long time. And she is currently the Hospitality and Connections Director at Berean Baptist Church in Burnsville, Minnesota with multiple campuses or two campuses now, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. And aiming for more, right? As your reach and impact grows. That's right. You are also a people magnet. And Mm -hmm. I use that word to describe both you and your husband, uh, Terry, my brother-in-law, because people are are drawn to you and your role um, at Berean fits you so well. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do there? So, yeah, I, um, 
I started in my role at Berean. Um, it'll actually be seven years um, next month, April. Wow. And um, I initially came on board as the interim kids director. And although that was a short-term assignment, um, it was through that season that I really fell in love with vocational ministry hmm. and being a part of the local church. And um, from that experience, I was able to form and develop the role that I'm in now. And I'm so, so thankful for that because it's given me the opportunity to work out of my natural gifting and passion um, for people and connection. And so I would say I'm kind of living the dream. <laughs> I am. I'm so thankful. I know that's, that's not always the case. And I, I know that that's a gift. So yeah. And we also know, and you've experienced too, that ministry can be hard and you've ridden the roller coaster of that as well. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I, Berean was um, started in 1963 mm. uh, by a handful of people in someone's home and it was really built on the foundation of service and generosity. Um, and I think that's what anchored those pioneer members who are still every and today, 58 mm -hmm. years later. Um, and I think without that being anchored in service and generosity and stewardship, um, when the storms come, they would have they would have jumped ship a long time ago. So mm -hmm. I just think that speaks to, um, you know, the importance of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, definitely. Ministry is so people driven, you know, and you you highlighted that in the in the history that you gave there of Berean. And this season on our podcast, we're really talking about conversations that matter. And when I think about you and your role and what you've done in seven years, which I can't believe it's been that long I already. Know, right. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you know, you have really built a really strong volunteer culture and I've seen it grow under your guidance. So you know, we're talking about conversations that matter. And because ministry is so relationally driven and so volunteer driven, yeah. mm -hmm. we have to build a strong volunteer culture. And mm -hmm. I think one of the things that's really hard when it comes to volunteers is, is the ask. It's right. getting people to do certain things that need to get done. So how do you think you've been successful at yeah. recruiting volunteers while you've been in your role? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, it's definitely a work in progress. Um, I, I think you hit it right on the head when you talked about relational and relationship. I think that is kind of the foundation for being able to make that personal ask. Um, we at Berean, um, we've been challenged even by our leadership to um, have those I see and you conversations with people. Mm -hmm. um, to really just identify um, gifts, strengths that we see in other people and to lean in. And um, I think having a relationship, having that relational equity is everything. Mm -hmm. And so then um, you can do all the recruitment efforts in the world, but I think it's that personal ask that we've seen over time has the most value. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just to, um, just to pour in to, to those people. And I think from there, you have that mutual respect. And um, I think we all like to be seen and um, noticed for, for what we can bring and contribute and what our mm -hmm. gifts and passions. And I think sometimes others, you don't see it in yourself. Mm -hmm. I know through the years I've been thankful when others have pointed out giftings in me um, and encouraged me to, to step into it. Mm -hmm. So I don't so know if that answered your question specifically, but I think relationally, um, you know, just seeing talents in people. So that means that 
in order to build that relational equity and make the ask, it, it sounds like you need to know those people. How do you do that in a church that's, that's growing and has continued to grow while you've been there? Because you, you're not going to know everybody you know, for us, it's creating opportunities to connect. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a monthly event that invites people in so that we can hear their story and get to know them. And we like to make that the first point of contact. Mm-hmm. Um, at that event, we we share all about Berean. We share God's story, Berean's story. But my favorite part of that that event is hearing people's story, mm-hmm. meeting them where they're at and helping them find a next step in um, better engagement at the church. And mm. so I, I think by um, leaning in, re- making the reach to people, um, instead of waiting for them to come up to us, creating mm-hmm. space, opportunity for them to be known and mm. seen. Um, I think by having people on the front lines who are there week after week, who start to notice people that are new and see new faces and say, hey, you know, I haven't met you before. Um, and things like that. I think just by creating opportunities for people, um, making it known that there are opportunities and educating mm-hmm. them uh, what's available and, and how we want to use their gifts. What a great example of, of kind of building a really natural funnel. You know, one of our uh, things as a podcast is we want to do with female leaders is to provide opportunities for connection. Yeah. And because re- because that relation, those relationships are so important. So you've created a, a funnel that's kind of non-traditional in, in many ways where you introduce people to your church and to the culture and yeah. to the needs without it feeling like um, it's a recruitment event. And, mm-hmm. you know, within mm-hmm. the context then of building those relationships and, and uh, grabbing people's hearts because they're right. now more deeply connected to the church, you mm-hmm. have begun the process of building that relational equity and you're able to have those conversations and it's, and you talked about the, um, I see you conversations Yeah, that requires a a depth of listening to Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. the casual moments in those events. So it's not just you as a staff presenting, but it's really asking good questions and the casual uh, comings and goings that matter. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and I think, you know, as much as that personal ask is important, we've also learned that volunteers are the best recruiters. Mm. So they are on the front lines. They can they can speak to the why they're doing mm-hmm. what they're doing, what they love about what they're doing. Um, they can identify people in their spheres that we don't even know um, to multiply those serve sure. teams. Yeah. And um, I think there is incredible value in that. I think as ministry leaders, sometimes we're 5,000 feet and mm-hmm. um, aren't in the trenches, which we can speak to later, but I do think it's important for ministry leaders to be very much in the trenches, to be um, in those serving capacities. Um, there's nothing worse than a leader who just doesn't get it or, or has never actually done it. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's important to not ask people to do anything that you wouldn't be willing to do. Yeah. Um, but I do think that um, it's A, more, more um, fun to serve with a friend. And I think um, there's just such value in commissioning those volunteers to make mm-hmm. that reach. Um, and we found that that, that really works. Also, um, we want to create opportunities for shadowing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're in the development stage of some things. Um, we think, um, we really believe that people don't necessarily take that first step because they mm-hmm. feel like they're signing up for life or that fear of failure or not wanting to get stuck. And, um, 
So we're creating a, an ongoing event called um, Find Your Fit, and it'll just be a static event uh, once a week, or I'm sorry, one one month of one weekend of the month, mm-hmm. and um, it'll work in conjunction with our whole assimilation process. But it'll be a standing event where people can shadow, no strings attached, and we really, really mean that. We're not just saying that, um, <laughs> so that you can truly see the um, workings behind the scenes, what the role actually looks like, mm-hmm. and hopefully. Um, attached to that in that way. And if it's not a good fit, then that's okay. And we move on. But um, I think one of the values that we definitely have is working out of your gifting and your, your skill set, your talents, what brings you joy? Mm -hmm. Um, Because the longevity is, is there. It's not in ticking a box or um, filling a need. Um, We really resist the idea of filling holes. So Mm -hmm. that's just kind of the culture. Um, And again, we've leaned into other churches, um, seen what they do. We're so thankful for churches that are open-handed with their resources. We want to be that church as well, because we just were in it together. So that, that is a community and connection in of itself. I love the value that you put on things like strengths and giftings and, and skill sets too, because that um, the filling holes never works for long. Right. Um, and also the ease with which you onboard your volunteers. You know, I've shared with you a funny experience I had with trying to get involved as, in a, as a volunteer and how yes. difficult it became. And I said, mm-hmm. Chris, whatever you do, don't make it like this. <laughs> <laughs> if people want to, to volunteer, give them Um, an inroad and make it easy because um, otherwise you're going to lose potential people. So, you know, we've gone through the onboarding process and you've talked a little bit about that. So once they're, once they're on board, how do you invest in them? How do you um, make sure that they um, continue to want to be a part of what you're building? Yeah, I think it's first important to recognize that people our greatest resource and gift. Mm. Um, so we need to steward that well by investing in them. And um, I had a very wise uh, teammate uh, share with me that there are 800 verses in the Bible that speak to stewardship. <laughs> so it's clearly a big deal. Yeah. And um, I think we can do that in the volunteer culture in, in a number of ways. I think uh, for sure the training and being prepared and organized and um, really equipping those volunteers that come. Mm-hmm. And I think that's for us at Berea, and that's done at the ministry level. Um, we kind of create like an onboarding process, but when it comes to the equipping of the actual role, that that is done among the, the various ministries. And so as organized and prepared, and um, you just want to give them all the tools to succeed. And I think I've always approached my volunteer teams as, okay, what if just putting yourself in their shoes and we've all had the great experiences and the not so great experiences um, where you show up and nobody's expecting you and you feel you just, it's kind of a first impression. And that speaks to my first impressions heart too. Um, So you want that to just be um, a well-oiled machine. Um, It's in everyone's best interest to, to be prepared for them. I think good communication is key. Um, whether that's weekly emails, social media pages, staying connected, uh, especially during the season of COVID, uh, we're relying so much on communication and connection is really, really hard to find. So um, I think communication from, you know, the church level, but also from the ministry level. And um, I think that is huge gratitude, showing gratitude. Um, this is a biggie. Um, people, 
oftentimes don't like to be recognized, but I think everyone at the core level, heart level, loves to feel appreciated. Mm-hmm. And so we've found that you can do that in big and small ways and they all matter equally. Um, in-person thank yous, cycling around to your volunteers on a given weekend and just thanking them for their investment of time and energy and talents. Um, really ministry doesn't happen without them. And that's just the truth of the matter. So the more you can remind them that what they're doing is of value, um, that it makes the weekends happen. And um, one of my favorite events is a, we've, we started about three years ago. It's an annual volunteer bash. It has been so fun and we dream up themes. And uh, this year, especially again, in light of COVID, you know, we, we, things were being canceled. Everything was being canceled. And we were like, this event cannot be canceled this year. More than ever, we need to remind those volunteers um, how much we're thankful for them, how much we appreciate them. And, you know, we started brainstorming, what do people need right now? They need levity, they need laughter. And so our theme was kind of designed around that and a coming togetherness. And um, 300 people showed up to that event Hmm. during COVID. And it just spoke volumes, I think, of that, that culture. Um, so thank you and showing gratitude. You really can't do it enough. We have a Facebook page that we launched for all Berean volunteers and on there we spotlight uh, volunteer. And so you just get to know them. It's just two to three facts about them, favorite quote, favorite scripture, a fun fact about them. And we're learning all sorts of things. Um, like one of our most unlikely volunteers was like a, a Metallica fan. It's just great. It's just good. And it's just fun. You just, on a weekend, you don't know that about people. So just celebrating as much as you can. And then also discipling them, coming alongside of them, doing life with them, knowing their stories um, so that you can follow up with them in conversation, um, identifying those leaders among you and um, giving them opportunities to grow, establishing volunteer leaders so that as ministry leaders, we can be pouring into those leaders who are pouring into the teams. And um, I think it's just all about systems and processes that don't leave somebody feeling unnoticed. Um, And, you know, I think for us even creating a volunteer room, a space that's dedicated, devoted, that says we value our volunteers, we have a space for our volunteers um, for connection and community is really important. So I think those are just a handful of ways. I'm sure there are so many more. Um, and we're developing other things that can help that stickiness in that culture. You highlighted two separate things, kind of what I would call categories of, of recognition or investment. Let's call it investment in your volunteers. One is the kind of that big event, um, the bash that you've put together, which is that very public recognition of we appreciate you, we acknowledge what you do, and that's going to appeal to that need uh, for many to feel valued. But there's that other side of it, which is the investment on uh, kind of the everyday life. And they're the people who might be more, might, might like some of the private recognition, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the individual, thank you, the, um, the small uh, opportunities to engage in like a Facebook group, for example. And so the balance of those two kinds of investments are really important because you're meeting people's need for recognition, Mm -hmm. um, where they're at. And you're able to have some of these conversations that matter both publicly and mm-hmm. privately. And yeah. that blend is part of what's helping you at Berean build that really strong volunteer culture that people want to be a part of. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. We try to be intentional about both because I really do think both have value and they're equally important. Uh, when we had our volunteer bash, I know that I heard of a volunteer that was uncomfortable with it. Again, we don't want to be, we're not doing this for the recognition and we acknowledge that. Um, we, at the same time, can't appreciate those volunteers enough. And so I think any way you can choose to do that. And for some, you know, for each person, it's going to be different. Hmm. Definitely. And the fact that you acknowledge that I mentioned already is such a, such a gift to those who are serving alongside of you. Now let's get into the tough conversation part, right? So right. sometimes no matter <laughs> how much you think something's going to be a good fit, it's just not either. They're not the right fit for the role or, um, somehow it's just not a good match. So how do you make that decision to let a volunteer know that maybe they need to move on? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that funny? Did you ever think you'd be asking your people pleasing, non-confrontational, <laughs> can't everyone just get along and live in harmony sister about this? <laughs> You're amazing at this. I seriously don't know how you learn to deal with Man. conflict because I avoid it. I know. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, I, First of all, I should say the hope is that this is a rare occurrence. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if, if systems and processes and expectations are clear and set up up front, so these kinds of conversations should be minimal. Um, but I think what I've learned is as a ministry leader, there's a responsibility mm -hmm. uh, to lean into tough conversations and love uh, versus avoid them, which avoidance, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's so much easier. Yeah. But it's, a healthy culture is going to start with healthy communication. And so, and that starts with, with you. So I've learned that while it's not always easy, it's, it's really important. Um, and so I think what I've found is, is sometimes these conversations happen when you inherit a volunteer team, mm -hmm. um, where you didn't really speak into expectations and, and, and change. And I think where you have some people that are really um, have been there for years and you're kind of rocking the boat a little bit with new, uh, new systems and processes and expectations and, you know, possibly that entitlement, you know, sets in. And so you're, you're fighting that. But um, I, I think my, my advice would be, um, well, first of all, that's where that relational equity comes into play. If you have a mutual respect and the communication has been open, when the time comes that you need to maybe uh, hit the pause button, um, that's maybe a gentle way to say it, but that is, that is language that I've used, um, that for whatever reason, you're noticing either um, you know, volunteer opportunities are being, shifts are being declined or people aren't showing up, or people aren't really open to following direction, uh, maybe going through the motions, you can just tell if burnout is happening. And so I think coming at it from that angle, giving the benefit of the doubt, um, while also just giving the opportunity to maybe, maybe hit the pause button. Um, I think there's everything about being direct, but I think you're also dealing with volunteers at a church and there's, it's different than being in a professional environment. So I think, you know, volunteers should never be caught off guard. I think that this conversation probably shouldn't come as a surprise. Um, it's kind of like with your children, right? Like if they, if there's something amiss, uh, they don't get one shot, um, but there's opportunity to change, to improve, and it can go one or one way or another. And so 
I think even in those difficult conversations, I think it's important to express your gratitude for the time they've given, because there's something really counterintuitive about, I guess, firing a volunteer or letting a volunteer go. It just is like, can you even do that? Um, but I think what it ends up being more of is just mutually agreeing that it's not the right fit, that it's not the right life stage, um, you know, for those couples that have kids that are just struggling to get there on time. Um, I remember having to have a tough conversation with someone once upon a time and just uh, they were faithful, 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 but punctuality was just an issue and it was creating a whole um, snowball effect. So it was setting the people coming behind them into kind of a offness. And so just had to address it. And, you know, what I, what I said, the wording that I used was, Hey, I'm so thankful to have you on this team. We really need you to be showing up on time so that the others, you know, how it affects other people. Yeah. Empathy is something that we've talked a lot about in a lot of our episodes so far this year. And that's a lot of what you're talking about too, is it's, it's recognizing that, um, mm -hmm. you know, this person is a person that the person you're talking to is dedicating time and they're not intentionally most of the time doing something disruptive that they really aren't sometimes aware of how that, that ripple effect um, impacts other parts of the ministry experience or a first-time visitor's experience or um, just a, a, an attitude that they may not know they're, they're giving off. And so this level of empathy of recognizing first and foremost uh, that they have dedicated time and energy and effort to the ministry, but also recognizing that maybe there needs to be a pause. Uh, T.D. Jakes, I heard, uh, T.D. Jake, I heard, speak at a Willow Creek leadership summit years ago. And he talked about releasing volunteers and talking about mm. kind of doing them a favor and saying, I'm yes. setting you free to go do yes. what else God called yes. you to do. And that stuck with me years later because yeah. sometimes there's a seasonal fit to a role or there's um, a season of life that doesn't work. Or uh, sometimes it's just it's just time. And sometimes they may want to step out of their role and you've actually given them permission to step aside. Okay. You just, we must be sisters or something because <laughs> that is what I was going to say. It's all about permission. Mm. And I feel like more often than not, when you give people permission, whether you've been through a storm in your church body, or when you just sense that the timing, they're trying so hard to make it work, you know, the heart is in the right place, but it's just, it's just not the right time. When you give permission, that has a whole different feel um, than I'm cutting you loose. Um, that type of, of um, just heart and um, motivation, I think, behind it. And I've even seen people leave and take me up on that and come back when the time is right. So that's when you know you're not burning bridges here. We're all, we all have the same goal. And, you know, especially during the season, we're actually rebuilding a whole volunteer culture in the last year. And I think people having permission to step away, but knowing that there's an open invite to return um, has been key because you realize people are at different places at different times. And it's not our place to, to judge that or um, to guilt them. We never want people to serve out of guilt and obligation. So, um, yeah, permission. I, I need that quote. Can you send that to me? <laughs> I'll see if I can find it. Releasing, releasing. <laughs> releasing. That's good. 
I'll go back to that relational equity piece yet again, because the fact that you have built enough relational equity for them to feel comfortable coming back um, at their own time and their own choosing or having people um, thank you for the way that you handle the conversation. Um, I've had to have some of those difficult conversations as well, where I had to let people go. And it was my job to let them know that. And when Mm -hmm. people thank you for the way that you handled it, you know, you hope you've done a good job on the back end, real building those relationships. And I feel like we could keep talking and I hope that our, our listeners today have really, um, taken away more than a single nugget. Um, I felt like I wanted to be just taking notes the whole time and hopefully they were able to hear your heart for those who serve your heart for people, why people are so drawn to you and why people say yes to you so often. (laughs) I love fishing for those yeses. (laughs) (laughs) Fishing for yeses. I love love that. It's my favorite. Um, but you know, I think we, I can say thank you for that. I mean, we're, we're a work in progress. Um, again, leaning into other churches, um, leaning into my incredible teammate. I'll give her a shout out, Christina O'Sullivan, um, who really has championed and come on board to, to just take on this volunteer piece, recognizing that Berean values our volunteers and, and the culture is so important. And we are just excited about what's to come. I feel like we're in a really healthy, good place in, in that way. But having a teammate to collaborate with, um, is just, is such a gift for me. So, uh, we haven't arrived, but uh, we're learning as we go. And I think we have a good thing. Well, Chris, I'm so proud of you. Aww. Hi. <laughs> and even though you're my little sister, I learn stuff from you every day. So thanks for Boy. joining us today and for, um, for being a guest and, um, just God's blessings on you as you continue to work um, on behalf of so many and to, to feed into so many people who are gonna be forever impacted by what you do. You've been listening to the Side by Side podcast with Annie Purdue Olson and Heidi Zort. Subscribe to get more practical tips women leaders need. Leave us a review. We wanna know what you think. We would be so honored if you would share this episode with a friend. And finally, check out our show notes with great links to free practical resources from our guests and ways that you can connect with us because we believe we lead better when we lead side by side.